I greatly dislike in conflict when my partner starts like, hmm, maybe this is what's happening for you. Because I'm like, bitch, why don't you worry about what's happening for you? I don't know why you're trying to tell me about something that you read in a book. So one of the first books that I think helped me understand the place of anger, the the role that anger can play in an interpersonal relationship or a community is called Conflict is Not Abuse by Sarah Schulman. That's something that really drives me crazy whenever people are like, like, well, I read this book about human connection. And so now I'm going to tell you about how you need to behave. And I think that what this book offered me was the ability to see conflict separate from anger and separate from aggression. That conflict is sort of just something that happens when two entities come together, but that we do have a responsibility to that sort of happening that occurs. And when there is conflict, you know, understanding what makes conflict turn into anger and turn into aggression. And I'm just like, I don't know why that's your business or how you have the right to say that. And I feel like that definitely happens in fights with Ash and I. This episode of Dear Jessamine has profanity, sex talk, weed smoking, and a bunch of other shit that's just not for everybody. You also may not agree with the stuff we say or how we say it. And we think that's great. We're recording today from stolen Ohlone land. We promote cannabis medicine to people over 21. If you're not 21, come back when you are. Hello. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to read some of this from my phone um, because I can't remember. The first question is, what are the tools slash media we use to contextualize ourselves slash anger slash conflict in general? So one of the first books that I think helped me understand the place of anger, the the role that anger can play in an interpersonal relationship or a community is called Conflict is Not Abuse by Sarah Schulman. And the, the uh, subtitle of it is Overstating Harm, Community Responsibility, and the Duty of Repair. And I think that what this book offered me was the ability to see conflict separate from anger and separate from aggression. That conflict is sort of just something that happens when two entities come together, but that we do have a responsibility to that sort of happening that occurs. And when there is conflict, you know, understanding what makes conflict turn into anger and turn into aggression, but also like recognizing the care that we have to take for ourselves and the healing that we have to prioritize in ourselves so that when conflict happens, we're not bringing our whole history of shame and rage into the context of whatever, this smoothie was made wrong. I feel like my primary tool is, or what I like to think of my primary tool as, um, is compassion. I'm always trying to operate from a place of like, do I know this feeling that I am witnessing another person experience? And if I know this feeling, can I bear witness to their experience of that feeling? And let my compassion for myself guide how I will react to another person. <laughs> that does not always go like that. And I think that the practice of compassion for me is really messy and complex. And like, 
does not look like ever loving kindness all the time. I mean, if you listen to Dear Jessamine or watch us, you see that like, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> like, I think it can look like um, me being defensive. We see it all over the place that like people are what what feels like blowing things way out of proportion, but within themselves, it's not out of proportion. They're hurting. They're ashamed or they're in pain or whatever, and they're not caring for that in a way that means it doesn't just come out. I do. I deal with this a lot, that there's a lot of my past that is like looming consistently um, in my present, and that when I'm less attached to or less like connected with the ideas that that is my responsibility to handle and care for, then I'll scapegoat anybody in order to get it out of me. And it really helped, I think, early on, just like me recognize that there is some agency. Not only is there agency, there's a lot of responsibility in having a big, full, robust set of traumas that you're walking around with. And it can be a beautiful practice. I think I'm learning that newly as it feels more possible. It feels like a really beautiful practice to care for myself so that I can care for my community and get into the dude, into the business of repairing those interpersonal conflicts that cause um, distance from each other. Because what happens first for me in a fight is that I focus on trying to be right. Like, I'm like, what is the point that I'm trying to make? What is it that, what is the version of reality that I think should exist? And like, how can I get this other person to feel the way that I feel about it? And so then uh, I guess another tool is recognizing that like, that's not a thing. Like, I don't think that we ever really like, in general, know how another person is feeling. Like, we're always going to feel like you're always going to feel the way that you feel. And I'm always going to feel the way that I feel. A book that I refer back to, The Four Agreements, um, which is by Don Miguel Ruiz and... I think what's amazing about this book is its simplicity. It's very short. And the four agreements themselves are don't take anything personally, be impeccable with your word, don't make any assumptions, and always do your best. And they're subjective on purpose. There's like a way that like these ideas and these concepts can flow through you and mean different things at different times to you. Like don't take anything personally. I think for me as a much younger person would have been like, the message is still true, but the ways that I would apply it are really different. Um, I think I would have had much more of a sense that um, people are trying to do cause harm, but that it's important for me to sort of block it from myself and not take it personally. Whereas now I have much more of a felt sense that nobody's trying to hurt anybody. Any hurt that is coming, any intentional seeming harm is coming from a deep um, um place of self-doubt or, or self-harm, you know, the ways that we, the recoil on any harm that we cause other people is just so profound inside of us. And we try to pretend, I think, that that's not true in order to feel a sense of power in our lives. But it's, it's, it's played out time and again that I've seen and heard about and read about that, you know, when we cause these kinds of harm, it, it just backfires all the time. So, um, don't take things personally, I think, is the hardest of the four agreements um, because it requires um, us, I think, to pl to place where these sensations are coming from for us also. That, like, if we're feeling ashamed because somebody said something about us, that's all very real emotion. It's very important to feel and notice the information coming from it. But whatever they're saying could not 
could not touch your essence. It can't touch your truth. And so there is space to be like, wow, I bet this person's having a really fucking hard day. Space for compassion. Like, you know, you've had a hard day and that you've taken that out on the wrong person. I think that in a fight, um, I also will always try to come with like, like I think of myself sometimes as the ocean. And so I'll just be like, whatever heat is rushing toward me, whatever fire is pushing toward me, I can absorb that. I'm the ocean. The ocean can take all fire. Again, it does not go that way because I'm not just an ocean. And I find that when I'm able to not take things personally, especially in conflict with Jessamine, that the it's just a weather system. Whatever she's going through that it feels like it's my fault or my problem or she wants to put on me, it can just pass by if I don't let it stick to me. And the same is true in reverse. She's so good at this that like I'll be like, everything's bad and part of it's your fault. She'll be like, I don't think so, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that you're hurting and I just want to be here for that part. It's like, a me, it's like I can switch and be like, oh, it's actually not about you. You're totally right. It's this whole other thing that isn't so personal and isn't something I need to fix in this way, especially with aggression. And actually, I guess the, the lesson here is to, for me to not be like as obsessed with like getting the right answer are doing the right thing which is what always happens with fights is that I'm trying to like get the right answer or um, to to be right and it's helpful to know that maybe there's no right or wrong maybe it just is and when I can participate in conflict in a way that helps move things forward recognizes that there is something blocking or something that's conflicting and then be the solution is what the um, 15 commitments would say is be the solution in those circumstances to like how to move forward. And that has helped me tremendously even just like begin to pick away at some of the walls I put up between myself and feeling this power that makes me feel less vulnerable. Even though long term, the toxic residue it leaves ends up sort of breaking the relationships a little bit. And so it isn't powerful in the long run. So it's like figuring out different ways to engage with the feelings that come up of protectiveness that don't leave my relationships harmed or damaged. It's a lifelong process for somebody like me. So I'm grateful for these resources for sure. The next question is, what are the things that make us mad? Now, what is that thing actually about? In the context of this show, one of the things that makes me mad that we don't often talk about on the show is when we don't start on time. This irritates the fuck out of me. I get mad at injustice. Like, in parentheses, I guess I want to say, like, even this is a decision that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. I hate wasting time. Since I'm the one who is, like, ultimately in charge, I have to think about, like, how the pacing of everything works. And I get really frustrated whenever we are not using our time well or when things are not set up on time and I know that they could be. And that's really frustrating for me. And then I get especially frustrated because me and Ash have a personal relationship and then we also have a professional relationship. And bridging the divide of those two things for me is really hard. Like I don't have, I've never done this before. It is so complex and difficult to be the employer of your partner. It is fucked up. It's something, honestly, I would not wish for anybody. I don't, I, it's not a preference of mine. 
I'm a student in the school of there is no right and wrong. Things happen to teach us how to move. And that being said, there are times that I forget this and start to place blame on myself or other people. And then I get into the following kind of trouble. <laughs> um, my value system, I stand by this idea that there's a right way and a wrong way to like treat other people. But conceptually, I think the ways that we actually move forward is by not deciding that somebody did it right or somebody did it wrong, leaving room for like, oh, that person doesn't know or that person was raised this way or that we all have this responsibility and this amazing opportunity to inspire each other. But when I forget that, I get mad at injustice. Um, it's something that we have been working to end, honestly, because it's not, I don't know, maybe some people love it, but I think that like in partnership, equality is really important. And so any kind of power dynamic like that is really difficult. And I hate having to be the one that's like, like uh, laying down the law. Like that's not, um, it's not hot. It's not fun in a, but it is also necessary. And I feel like some of these situations have been like custom crafted so that I will have to just deal with that. And like, that I can't walk away from it. I can't be, um, I can't be spineless. I have to be strong. And so that ends up coming out on the show, but we don't talk about it. And so it just looks like we're fighting, but really I'm pissed that we didn't start on time. And it then gets wrapped up in all this other bullshit. So um, there's that. Um, if I feel like someone has been intentionally wronged for someone else's pleasure or gain, or somebody was made unsafe to ensure someone else's safety, as though we're not all the same, literally existing, the same organism offering each other the very breath from our lungs, we pretend we're separate, we decide somebody fucked up, we decide somebody's a bad person, we, just, we are raised with this idea that these kinds of people can't be trusted, or those kinds of people are out to harm other people or whatever. And I feel like the ways that power builds under white supremacy and capitalism. Um, there are all these very obvious scapegoats that people choose to take their anger and aggression out on, on systemic levels, on interpersonal levels. And it's when that power is so obviously placed in a, in a certain group or in a certain person's hands, and that person is using it to hurt other people. Boy, I just want to fight, fight, fight in those moments. And I think it's like a projection of like being a young person and having so much bullshit go on. Like that's how it feels in my body. But I think it's a natural inclination to like not be cool with just like unchecked power causing rampant harm. It doesn't feel good in our bodies to watch that. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's a knee jerk reaction of protecting small or weaker things. Um, and not small or weak, like naturally, but like when power systems collide to make somebody else feel or look or seem small or weak societally, it doesn't feel good to watch. It's never like, Oh, that's fun. It's not good. Um, and it, it, it takes me to a place sometimes that I can't quite get out of wanting to make change. But I think a lot of that is rooted, you know, so deeply in recognizing that as a white person, I have a lot of responsibility in um, undermining white supremacy and interrupting cycles of violence that white supremacy causes. Because the privilege that I have is been passed down to me from people who didn't give a fuck about challenging this kind of inequity and violence. So I feel like there's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders, but in a way that is really um, good, it's really powerful, it's really motivating and galvanizing 
to recognize that my ancestors were just steady and some fuckery and that it's up to me to break some of those generational curses. Um, I also feel like I have the tools and resources to do that. And so it makes it really different feeling on my part of responsibility, but also the resources to handle it. Uh, most of my big emotions I find seem like anger, even when they are like this deep sorrow for injustice or there's, you know, these big feelings of um, wishing I could do something about like poverty or, you know, what I mean? Global foster, the foster care system, abolish it, number one. And number two, I feel so powerless, you know, and, and when I'm feeling powerless in those times, I think different people seem different in, in that, in the, in the face of that powerlessness. I'm one of the kind of people who seems angry in the face of that powerlessness. And so I get it that most of my big emotions feel like anger and that interpersonally, the things that make me mad seem to be things that I can only ha handle with anger and it's a good thing to know about that perception because it's not my dream to have people think that I'm angry all the time. And I think that getting the information from other people that I seem scary when I'm mad about injustice, for instance, is helpful in understanding what my effectiveness at, at offering solutions might be hindered by. <laughs> so I think it just happens with maturing with people like me. But there's a way that my anger can be channeled into like some really thoughtful and thought-provoking artwork that at least in this phase of my life is feeling like what I'm trending towards is like focusing on me expressing myself the way that I need to and when that's able to like impact or move other people dope yeah I also don't like being forced to speak before I've thought about something like this infuriates me I don't, I like being able to think through my thoughts and decide what I want to say. I am, I think, copping out a little bit about what causes anger, like, in my relationship with Jessamine or on this show. I think there's a, a way that we turn away from each other when we're, like, trying to focus on something else that makes me feel a little bit abandoned or, like, um... Like the teamwork effort, the teamwork energy that I'm putting in is not being met or something. And that is the thing that will get me like short. I don't like just speaking off the cuff because I find that when I just speak off the cuff, I regret the things that I say sometimes. And I, I think like, oh, I would have said that differently or like, that's not what I mean, especially in a fight when like a fight can become violent emotionally violent and you're just like saying shit to be right or to um to have the right answer and i feel like it's frustrating for me when i feel like i get pushed into those situations and i'm not i recognize that like i have full agency here so like nobody's pushing i'm pushing myself into it but like i feel pushed into hard fast moving conversation fights and they're being recorded for anyone in the world to listen to. And that is really frustrating for me. And that, again, I think doesn't always get articulated on the show because we're fighting. What I'm trying to communicate is like how it's not cool or whatever to be um, dipping out emotionally. And so then I'll dip out emotionally. She'll be like, why are you dipping out emotionally? And it, it's this cycle that we get in, I think, that always, always, always is caused by fear. Like some underlying 
fear, like what it's actually about all of this anger, I think is like really wanting to not be left in a lurch, really wanting to not be putting my energy into a collaborative um, effort and then being met with like being the only person in the group project that did the thing. We've put our relationship under a lot of stress, like on purpose. We're both that type of person to do that. But like we have the whole thing of like deciding to do the show together and then like, and then the pandemic happened and then we moved in together with my other partner. And then we're like recording the show in what was once my other partner's closet and is now Ash's closet. And then we're like deciding to move into an RV and like moving into an RV and then traveling across the country is just like a lot. It has been a lot. And that has meant that we like end up in the conflict that I think wouldn't always be shown, but that is a necessary part of the growth that would come with this kind of experience. We end up showing that conflict on this show without a lot of context on top of the fact that there's this whole work dynamic that is really difficult and complex and, um, I freely admit, hard for me to manage. So I think what it really is about is this desire for the kind of wholeness that comes in relationship. But what I think the lesson is in all of it is that that's not the only way to find wholeness. In fact, it's it's a tenuous way. And it, it might even be a way to find wholeness sort of um, if there is a procedure or like a step to do first. I think finding wholeness with the self, finding wholeness in solitude, finding wholeness with the person who will always be there no matter what, which is you, uh, me in this case, is a little bit more sustainable, sort of speaking back to that capital T truth of like, you are who you are. You've been given this body and full control over it in this lifetime because that is supposed to be your main focus. Yeah. One other thing that I want to say about that is that I think that active fighting, like we end up doing on the show, feels like we're doing more speaking than thinking. And then when the show is over, we end up like finishing the fight or finishing the conversation, but we don't show that like, there's usually like an explosion of just saying a bunch of shit. And then afterwards, there's this whole like listening and reception period that I think for me feels like the more important part. And I dislike that the speaking before thinking becomes the focus. The next question is, what is our conflict animal? So, okay. I'm not, I'm a recent therapy convert. Like I had a couple of negative therapy experiences um, when I was, it doesn't really matter when. So the conflict animal I got was a little confusing. I took the quiz a few times, not surprised um, that I did that because I always take these little quizzes many times to just test their validity a little bit. And so sometimes whenever stuff like categorizations like conflict animal come up, I'm immediately judgmental because I'm like, I don't, I don't care about this. I can't be encapsulated in this way. And I think sometimes it's just like a way to talk down to people and be like, well, here's, it's like pathologizing other people's experience, whatever. I don't generally care for it. But I got the owl 
I did take this quiz, the conflict animal quiz, and I found out that I am a turtle or tortoise, which makes perfect sense to me. And I'm just going to say that in this particular quiz, which I find in a, maybe in a lot, a lot of people's thinking, especially at work, that there is this like false dichotomy between confrontation, like confronting an idea or confronting a thing that's not working and collaboration. And I, I like to think I have like a collaborative confrontational style that like, I'm going to confront the elephant in the room. I'm going to say the thing out loud, but not in a way that's meant to disempower anybody else. And I think this is such a departure from the way that a lot of people with big loud voices use their big loud voices to like silence other people. I'm trying to understand how to maintain like my integrity and like be me and feel all of my feelings and be true to those and candid with my colleagues and with my anybody I'm in partnership with that like this is the real state of affairs like this is what's really going on I'm not going to lie to you or like pretend it's something else but we can collaborate on how to move from here the turtle is representing an avoidant conflict style and I definitely have an avoidant conflict style where I would rather avoid the conflict than step right into it. I'm learning a lot about the importance of just like having the conflict and like just being direct because if you can just be direct, you can get over it. So that what looks like big fireworks to me is actually like, now I'm recognizing that the big fireworks are going to happen regardless. Like you can either have them now or you can have them later. And I think that what's tricky about finding that balance is that a lot of the ways that people like me who have clear anger happening in moments, it's so scary to other people that the collaboration feels in jeopardy. For, for obvious reasons, this work feels really personal. And when I'm engaging with really personal feeling work, it's hard sometimes to not feel like it is me that is being edited or that it is me that's being, um, you know, that idea is being passed on for a different idea. It's hard to not sometimes feel like it's me that's getting passed on. I would argue that sometimes if you step back far enough from conflict, then you recognize that your initial fireworks will, they're not necessary. They go away. But um, not recognizing that, though, means that the the fire is there and you have to deal with the fire right away. I feel like when I'm with Jessamine, we're learning in some of the ways that we have conflict um, that doesn't go so great or that does leave a lot of toxic residue. We're learning how to mm, be open to all of the rest of it too, to be open to the ways that the conflict is actually helping us move through some stuff that would be stuck, that both of us have histories of relationships that don't make it through certain kinds of conflict because it is the breaking point of that particular connection. And so I still feel really positively about conflict, but I'm learning the ways in which my confrontation can sort of block that collaboration and adjusting the levels there as best I can while staying pretty authentic to myself. But my knee-jerk reaction is to kind of, not kind of, to pretend it's not happening and to just be like, oh, I'll deal with that later. Um, it does end up 
there's like festering emotions and, um, and frustration that never gets expressed so that it might be like years in the future, but there's always going to need to be some sort of discussion of whatever the emotions were that went with the conflict. And I, I thought it was interesting for me to be called a turtle or tortoise because I'm, my astrological sign is cancer. Cancer is the crab and cancers, um, by nature, don't really prefer conflict. And just like the crab, we go into our shell and try to like hide from conflict, usually effectively and impactfully, but um, other astrological signs don't generally prefer that. And I thought it was interesting because the turtle does the same thing. It tucks its body into its shell. Lucky is a funny word to use, but I do feel really fortunate to be in spaces with people who are down for that kind of um, remix of how, what professionalism looked like or how artists come together to make stuff. And so, yeah, it was a cute quiz to take, even though it felt a little like it left me a little wanting. I think what I want is to like, you know, get out of this simplistic idea of like things are good or bad or right or wrong or it feels good or it feels bad or it worked or it didn't into this place of like healing and learning from everything no matter what. So that was my conflict animal quiz. Next question. How do our communication styles in conflict impact how we see each other and move through things? As a leader, I find myself a good fit for people who have more conflicted energy than others. I was the camp counselor who took the bad kids table. We all ran around while the neurotypical kids were sitting and doing arts and crafts and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. It was the normie kids that seemed out of place to me. I often experience Ash's conflict style as being very abrasive and urgent and frankly, just really difficult to deal with. It's hard for me to... Sometimes I feel like I cannot find common ground with her because it's like she will get so caught up in in her surface level emotions that it's not possible, literally not possible for us to have a more holistic dialogue about what's happening. And then I get frustrated because her her knee-jerk reaction is to push the conflict as hard as possible immediately because she's trying to get through it and move on from it. But I'm always, you know, like I said, I'm always trying to be like the ocean. And so I will like be like, okay, I got this. I can handle this. She's being fiery, but I can receive that. I can practice compassion for her. I can practice compassion for myself. And actually that's probably where I'm fucking up is thinking I can practice compassion for her before I practice compassion for myself because there is no practice of compassion without practicing it for myself. I'm always inspired by the ways that as a leader, Jessamine can keep her composure during tense communication, especially at work. And I've learned recently how to add some steps into a conflict that include remembering that there's no way that the other person is feeling about me what I'm feeling about me, even if I trigger big emotions in that other person. My best case scenario sometimes, like from my perspective, is to walk away and to just not engage Sometimes I'll literally tell her, like, I'm not invested in this. Like, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not invested in a fight with you. Sometimes I feel like she is literally trying to provoke a fight with me. And just by nature, that's not what I'm trying to do. 
when I can keep from adding my ego, the conflict like never comes. Big feelings rise like tides and recede just the same. I find that recently my relentless nature has been asking Jessamine to stick around for our conflict until the end, when and if she can, to see what comes up and what she can get value out of while feeling the wholeness of her anger. That it isn't scary for me if she wants to keep it real while she's mad. I get why she has an avoidant approach to conflict and how this has served her in the past. This phase of my life is asking me to feel all my feelings, and sometimes this has the effect of offering that spaciousness to others around me as well. Even if I say I'm not invested in this, sometimes I'll say, like, I'm putting down my weaponry. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm here at the battlefield, but I'm taking off my shield. I'm putting down my sword. I'm not going to fight with you. But even with that, I feel like there is still always some level of like come to Jesus level explosion. And like that explosion can look like a lot of different things. What it has looked like in the last year or so for me is really intense emotional outbursts that are not in character for me. Like it's not something that I have done in the past, but also feels just like this incredible relief. It's usually like I throw something or like I throw something and um, like recently we were having a fight and I threw my phone and I threw it at a counter, which then made it, no, I threw it at a bowl, which then broke the bowl ricocheted off the counter and then broke my phone. So it broke a bowl and a glass bowl that had salad in it and um, my phone. And I was so mad. I was mad at myself and I was mad at her. I was just mad at the situation, but I also felt so much better. Like I felt like, okay, it was like a physical representation of the emotion. And I was like, Okay. The bowl needs to get cleaned up. Like, I need to get my phone fixed. It was very clearly like, here's how we can resolve this thing. And like, that part of it felt really good to me and feels really helpful. Because then, usually, when there's some sort of like big emotional outpouring, that then facilitates us having a dialogue that can then be really healing for us. When our styles don't match, we typically find the space we need and come back together with new perspectives to share or live into. In fact, it's far more skilled and shorter lived in general, the conflicts that we can keep our egos out of. And I think we're learning a lot in the process of like continuing to come together, even when we're fighting. What it comes down to for me though, is that it's worth it to have like, it's worth it to have an honest interaction with someone than to have a relationship where like we're not being candid with one another. And I've been in a lot of relationships and this is the first one where like, I genuinely feel like both parties are being pretty honest with one another. Who knows about a hundred percent, but we're being pretty honest with one another. I've been in a lot of relationships where there's things that are left unsaid and, um, and that festers in a different way. It, it's like it gets to a place where like you don't even really know the other person because you're not telling them anything about you that you don't want them to know. And so for me, it's helpful to 
actually have that hard shit happen even when it sucks because it is actually low-key strengthening the relationship the last question is what do you need in order to be heard in conflict describe what interpersonal safety feels like to you Okay, so I love eye contact and gentle touching in conflict. I know that sounds weird, but I think there's a way sometimes when people when somebody else is rising, is like escalating their their feelings. If you are in a space uh, of intimacy and you are close enough, I find that like mm, it's kind it's like it's like sharing energy almost. It's like when I'm starting to get amped. Um, I have people in my life who will like naturally sort of place their hand on my forearm or my shoulder or whatever is close to just touch to make a point of contact so that I can receive some of the energy of theirs that isn't so conflicted and isn't so escalating. And in that way, I can sort of snap out a little bit of of the space I'm in. It like helps my ADD brain remember where I am in space and that I have a body I can ground into and that I can locate myself there. And it's, it's not, it's, it's rare. Like I would say that the people who experience this or that I experience this with are, um, kind of mellow people in general. Like they're already sort of starting from a sort of (laughs) typically a grounded place. But I just find that this, it's really this amazing snap in my brain where I'm like, Oh, okay. It's like some of the only time I, I have like a real body sense, like a felt experience of the conflict not being actually that necessary, that the anger that feels so important to share, to tell somebody that they did me wrong or that like, you know, I don't like what just happened. Um, it feels like there are more options of how to express that or even sometimes the option of not expressing it because it's actually not a big deal. And I can work it all the way through inside myself and come to the other side like, oh, that just happened. That's just a thing. To me, interpersonal safety feels like not being talked over. It feels like being heard and received. And it doesn't mean being told that I'm right or that I have the right answer. I know that that's what I want subconsciously, but what I or what I think I want. But what I really just want is to feel heard and feel like I'm being witnessed in my truth. Oh, yeah. I think I wanted to talk a little bit in this moment just about like the way that I conceptualize conflict like that sometimes is that it's like a weather system. If you're outside gardening and it out of out of nowhere starts raining, you're not going to like look at the sky and be like, I'm so mad at you. Why would you start raining? And similarly, this kind of like these big feelings can come through just like a weather system and leave the same way where it can just be this like thunderous rumbling inside of you. But if you let it go, like if you let it be there and then pass, it can be just as gone as the rain is. And there might be remnants of it. There might be, you know, wet pavement or whatever, but that it's not actively raining anymore and that that can be a part of the like calm and ease. And there can even be some gratitude for the weather system that came in and gave you all this information about the person that you're around or what happens when you deal with money in that way without grounding first or practicing yoga first or whatever it is for you that it can just be a weather system. And I'm, I'm finding that like, it's so much easier for me to f- figure out ways of talking about my anger and aggression that don't sound so villainizing to me about me and that I can speak about these things like they are 
normal and like what people experience in life. It doesn't have to be special because of my trauma. It doesn't have to be different because I'm who I am. It can just be this thing that happens. It can be the weather happens to everybody. The weather happens to everybody. And if I can talk about it like this, I find that I have a lot more ability to sort of release it because the narrative is just short and sweet and, and, uh, and I can grab onto it when I'm not feeling at my best, like when I'm feeling like I'm losing some of my composure. I'm like, this is just weather. And if I just like breathe through it, it'll pass. If I let it pass, it'll pass. And so when I have these like um, methods of recontextualizing some of what feels out of control and feels like unacceptable and feels like I shouldn't be, and then I can sort of have some space with, um, with myself, some compassion for myself. I appreciate when I'm not being forced to speak before I'm ready. I like a talking stick for this purpose. Like we sometimes we pass like a talking crystal and just like pass it back and forth to one another. Those I think are our best conversations when we are passing a crystal from one person to the next and the other person does not speak when they don't have the crystal. Otherwise shit can get like totally unruly and unwildly. And it makes me, it just hurts my feelings more than anything. It makes me feel sad. And, um, and then that's a hard emotion to experience on the show because I already don't really prefer being vulnerable in front of people. And it's like, it requires that I be very vulnerable in a place that doesn't really feel that safe to me. I really think that compassion is the only way we can actually heal well. And I'm finding that recently deciding to sort of turn away from judging other people as much as I possibly can. There is just so much more room for compassion. Even when people are doing things that are like, oh my God, why are you doing that? I can have, like my knee jerk can be much more of like, dang, what happened to you? Why is that happening now again or whatever than like, you're a bad person because you did this. And um, it's really coming from being able to do that for myself. And so what I need in order to be heard in conflict is some mirroring of this gentleness, some, some offering of a similar kind of compassion if I'm going to be heard by another person. I've done a lot of um, sort of giving up that me in like a red zone state or like a, a um, intensifying anger place that like anybody else is really going to be able to offer me much. Although recently I've had some people who just have language around like, let's downregulate, you know, like this conversation is getting spicy or whatever. Let's talk about something else. And like being able to see it before it's happening and take some agency and be like, this is not what I want. I want something else. And I, and giving me the opportunity to choose that also, I feel like has been a real blessing in my life because it helps me figure out ways to do that for myself also. Interpersonal safety to me does not feel like being therapized. Like I greatly dislike in conflict when my partner starts like speaking like my therapist or like, like offering solutions. Have you thought about it this way? Or like, Hmm, maybe this is what's happening for you because I'm like, bitch, why don't you worry about what's happening for you? I don't know why you're trying to tell me about something that you read in a book or like something. That's something that really drives me crazy. Whenever people are like, like, 
well, I read this book about human connection. And so now I'm going to tell you about how you need to behave. And I'm just like, I don't know why that's your business or how you have the right to say that. And I feel like that definitely happens in fights with Ash and I, that she's really interested in therapy, really like well-versed in it. She literally studies psychology in school. And so it's really important to her and it comes up naturally for her. And it just frustrates me and it, it makes me feel belittled. It be- I was going to say it belittles me, but like it doesn't. It makes me feel belittled. It makes me feel patronized and patronized. And I just don't care for it. Um, but I also get where she's coming from. And something else that ends up happening is that I'll be like, just trying to listen. I'm <laughs> just trying to like receive the wisdom. This is a relatively new thing for me, but like literally just being like, like, even when it's something that I'm just like, I cannot with the way that you are speaking to me right now, I'll still be like, okay, but what are you saying? What were you saying? Maybe I could learn something, you know, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I don't like what you're saying because it's true and I need to hear it, but I just don't want to hear it. So maybe I can just hear it. Even if it's something that I think you're fucked up in the head and you should not be talking to me this way. Maybe that's what I think. But at the same time, I still learn something from that. I can I can get a lot from that. So just trying to treat it as information and growth and uh, a space for me to actually bear witness to another human being and genuinely accept them and to practice accepting myself and not just trying to have the right answer all the time or get it right. It's not always time to be Hermione. So shout out to like feeling all your feelings around people because new friends who have started to be angry near have so many options and so much less history of feeling like I'm burdensome with my big feelings. And they can just be like, let's not fight. And I be like, oh my God, that's a choice? <laughs> Fuck yeah. And so it, it only continues to bring me good things to keep it real when I'm experiencing a, a truth, especially a bombardment of truth, because I think other people aren't always experiencing it the same way and they can be really helpful in hearing and seeing um, what the torment looks like and feels like inside and offering some lifeline to another way. So I don't know that that was so succinct or directly answering this question, but interpersonal safety feels like people who are connected, who want to be connected, who understand that conflict is real, just like any other weather system, and that anger is real, but that it doesn't have to define who we are, and it doesn't have to define how we relate to one another. And um, I'm starting to believe that, too. (laughs) I think that shit is crucial. Anyway, that's that on that, I reckon. Dear Jessamine is produced by Tenderfire Media. For more on our show, follow us on Spotify and Instagram at Dear Jessamine, or head over to our website, dearjessamine.com. If you're an Apple podcast person, you can subscribe to our show. And while you're there, write us a review. They really help us out a lot, and they give you a place to let folks know how you feel about our show. Here's our team. Kylie C. Roberts is our editor slash producer. Angel Foster and Naya Williams do our social media. Jamie Leppard draws our art, and Fruit Snack plays our theme song. Montez Mickles is our director of production. Anna Rooney is my chief of staff. Amber Richardson is Ash's chief of staff. 
Ash Danger Phoenix is my co-host and co-producer, and I am Jessamine Stanley. And we believe that no one should be in jail for weed. Tender fire. Drop page. <laughs>